Welcome back to Teacher's Lounge. It hasn't been that long, but it feels really good to say for some reason. For the uninitiated, we're a podcast from WNIJ telling the stories of education through conversations with local educators. I'm your host, Peter Medlin. New episodes pop up every other Friday, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. This week, we're talking to Lisette Jacobson. She's the new principal of Pioneer Elementary School in West Chicago. She talked about growing up the daughter of Mexican immigrants. We talked about social justice, using football to bond with the boys in her school, and what it takes to be a successful administrator. When I remember my first year as an assistant principal, having the realization that just because I was doing something in the classroom doesn't mean that everyone else does the same or has the same practices or or uses the same instructional strategies or even has the same knowledge base. Sure. Probably not, right? No, right. And looking back, like Lissette, how ignorant of you to think (laughs) that, right? That's later on in the show, but right now, let's get to it. You know, it's always fascinating when national stories and national figures knock on your door. Well, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to drive up to Jefferson High School in Rockford for a tour of their college and career prep classes. And when I got there, there were dozens and dozens of protesters outside holding up signs and chanting. They were there to protest because the person who was taking the tour was the highly controversial Trump-appointed education secretary, Betsy DeVos. A crowd of protesters greeted the controversial education secretary with a string of Dump DeVos chants. Jo Miner was one of the protesters. She came with Rockford's League of Women Voters. She is ruining Title IX. She's doing away with the protections of sexual assault that were incorporated into previous administrations. And she is using taxpayer money to fund private schools, which is anathema. DeVos says they chose Jefferson because of the school's career-oriented programs in manufacturing and entrepreneurship. Looking at and thinking about doing things differently to meet students' needs and to embrace the multitude of pathways that we have to be supporting for students. DeVos said she didn't see the protesters, but that she's focused on helping students wherever they learn. Those protesters outside are also wearing red to represent the importance of public education. The Illinois Education Association's president also released a statement criticizing DeVos's track record of proposing funding cuts. We need to honor and celebrate and respect great teachers and support them in their careers and make it a career that they are attracted to and drawn to and have reason to stay in for their full professional life. Earlier this summer, the country's largest teachers union also sued DeVos over the public service loan forgiveness program that rejected 99% of applicants. All right, now it's time for the news roundup, where we just catch you up on some things that you might have missed over the last couple weeks since the last episode. There's a new program in DeKalb County that's aiming to close school achievement gaps, starting at birth. Courtney Hill is the program director of Basics DeKalb County, She says the data shows these gaps form as early as two years old. Knowing that the critical time period to, you know, really, really have a powerful impact on brain development is zero to three. And then knowing we're seeing achievement gaps at age two, we can't wait for preschool and we can't wait for kindergarten. As the name would suggest, the program has five basic ways to boost brain development. These include maximizing love, managing stress, pointing and singing, exploring, and reading and counting. Hill says many parents and caregivers already do these things. Basics has partnered with the DeKalb County Health Department to get the word out, and the health department is even remodeling a wall in their office centered around the basics. 
And we actually have an update from something that we talked about in the last episode of Teacher's Lounge. If you caught our special Enrollment Exodus edition of the show, we had a conversation with Rich Egger from Tri-States Public Radio about the situation at Western Illinois University. Well, this last week, Western named Martin Abraham their interim president. He had been the acting one since their previous president resigned back in June. And an Illinois bill that would allow college athletes to get paid endorsement deals is picking up steam. NPR Illinois' Dusty Rhodes reported that Democrat State Representative Emmanuel Chris Welch plans to bring up the bill during the veto session coming up later this month and in November. And we will be keeping up with the story in future episodes of Teacher's Lounge, so don't you worry. All right, now it's time for my conversation with our guest this week, Lisette Jacobson. Did you start your career in DeKalb then? Yes. So I was um, a first grade bilingual teacher, then did third grade bilingual, and then eventually I moved to the middle school level where I worked with sixth, seventh, and eighth grade ESL teachers at the, yeah, at the middle school. Oh my god, I always have so much respect for people that work with sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teachers. <laughs> my, mom, my mom actually just started, she was a kindergarten teacher forever, and she just... And within the last couple of years, moved over to sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and like art and music and like behavioral challenge stuff. They're actually my favorite, to really? be honest. Why? Yes. Why is that? Um, so, in my own educational experience, middle school is when I really started to flirt with trouble a little bit. And um, if it weren't for those teachers there who gave me a lot of tough love, I could have ended up in a very different place. And that is where I got most of my inspiration to go into education myself. So I had a seventh grade ELA teacher, Mr. Johnson, who was really tough. And he would say things, and I I would actually be really upset with him. And he's the reason, though, why I am in in education. He kept me on the right path and discouraged a lot of my bad behavior. So, you know, it's interesting. I share this with teachers often because there are those kids that are tough, that are being mouthy or saying things to you that you may think are disrespectful, but those are the ones who need you the most. Yeah. And those are the ones who um, will probably remember you the most, but never come back and tell you. It makes sense. Yeah, he had really high expectations of us. And I think that's why he stood out, because not that I've been really blessed with great teachers, um, but he in particular had really high expectations. And I think that was the, the game changer for all the kids. Because I actually went to school in Waukegan. Okay. And, you know, it's a diverse community and it does have its challenges. But he didn't care about our background. He didn't care about our socioeconomic status. He had high expectations for us. A lot of the kids that I went to school with perhaps didn't pursue, like, higher education. And it just makes me sad because there's so much untapped potential there. Um, and so I just was like, I need to pass this forward. And do something for other kids who perhaps are disenfranchised or marginalized or aren't given the same opportunities. My element, back down to the elementary, really my kindergarten teacher developed a love for reading, like helped me develop that love. Because I loved books. I actually would get in trouble for reading so much at home. Because culturally my mom, you know, my, my parents were both born in Mexico, and my mom would see me reading and she's like, why, you need to get up and clean the house or <laughs> do some chores or help me with this. And so I would get in trouble for reading. Right, that, that's, that seems like kind of an immigrant child. Yes, right? yes. And so, so much of, of that has shaped my passion in education. So being the, the daughter of Mexican immigrants, my parents only have about a third grade education themselves. And so 
I constantly went back and forth between the norms and the values in the American education system and then the values and norms at home. And it was always very difficult and I was always trying to find my way, but luckily I had those teachers that really were like a champion for me. Right, yeah. and it's, yeah, I was gonna ask too, cause like when you first, you know, when you had that teacher that kind of drove you towards education mm -hmm. specifically, did you know from then that you wanted it to be ESL? Did you know you wanted to be mm -hmm. in that kind of realm? Mm -hmm. Or was it just education in general or? So it was education in general. It wasn't until I actually had a placement with another phenomenal teacher. It was when I did my student teaching in DeKalb with Abby Madeira. She really helped develop that, that passion for bilingual education because I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, my siblings had gone through the Chicago public school system and at that time, the philosophy behind bilingual education was very different. It was all about assimilating and learning uh, English as quickly as possible and then forgetting the Spanish piece. Whereas in DeKalb, we were really pushing the both languages, being biliterate and bicultural. I'm very excited to see that more and more districts are realizing that it's important to um, have our students maintain that identity because language is so connected to who you are. You know, for me at home, my mom spoke Spanish, my dad, my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, and that is how I received love. That's how my mom shows affection. That is how she disciplined me. Yeah. And so there's just such a deep connection to the Spanish language, but then at the same time understanding that we're in America and, and you need, you know, that English side too, but embracing both really um, makes up who we are. So let's step back for a minute. You mentioned that you you went to school at Waukegan, right? Mm -hmm. Are you from there originally? No, I was actually born in Chicago. Okay. And so um, I grew up in the um, back of the yards neighborhood around 47th and Dayton. South side. Yeah. yeah. And it was right around the time where gangs started to get really heavy and, you know, um, my parents were afraid that my siblings would get involved with that. And we had, um, we had family that would had moved to Waukegan. And so we moved to Waukegan and that's where I went to some elementary and then middle school and high school. So yeah. how old were you when you moved to Waukegan then? Um, eight. Okay. Yeah, okay. so I was pretty young, but I still like very vividly remember Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we would go back and visit. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, on the weekends and things like that, but. Yeah, but I'm sure, I mean, even being in that environment until you're eight years mm -hmm. old is probably gonna do a lot to. Yeah, no, I to mean. To craft your identity of who you are, right? Yeah, so, um, like I said, my kindergarten teacher was my, probably my first champion. I always like to outline like my three big champions in my the life. Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would start with kindergarten. She was just such a dynamic, energetic teacher that made us excited about reading. And I, I like to stress that, like, the teacher's excitement for any subject is contagious. And, um, you know, at home, it was, it was actually a scarier situation. I mean, we would hear gunshots. We would hear, you know, the sirens and things like that. So at night, I remember just being very nervous. And then eventually we moved to Waukegan, but then the demographics changed, too. So um, whereas I was the only Hispanic girl, maybe one of three, it then... By the time I graduated high school, it was like majority Latino. Really? Yeah. So it, it, it shifted. You were the first in your family to, to go to college. Yes. Then, right? And that was such a challenge because my dad would say, no daughter of mine is leaving this house until you're married. How indecent. How am I going to know what you're doing? And I'm like, dad, please. I would cry. I would say, please let me go. And when he finally kind of gave in, he was like, all right, but we really haven't saved the money. And it was really challenging to navigate the college system as 
as someone who didn't have really any role model to lean on, I didn't know who to go to for financial aid questions, college application questions. Um, well, it's, it's like even for people that have been through the process so many times and have generations going back, it's difficult for them to yeah. maneuver. So you can imagine for people that have no concept of it. Yes. I remember <laughs> filling out applications. We had a computer and um, it was really old and it would shut off like throughout. So I remember typing applications and hitting save and then it would shut off and then I had to restart it. It was just such a, a big to do to just even fill out college applications. But we managed and that's my third time. My third person on my Mount Rushmore was my um, high school guidance counselor. He um, encouraged me to fill out a Golden Apple Scholarship Award. So I'm actually a Golden Apple Scholar. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm actually very proud because yes. they uh, also helped shape me tremendously. Um, we were talking back then about things that we're hearing now in the media, like equity and um, race, implicit bias, just injustice in general in the education system. And looking back, we were very young and exposed to a lot of these heavy topics. And I'm so thankful because they are reoccurring themes that we talk about now. And I'm just comfortable now. Like, right. I'm okay in that space. Because right now we're finding that people aren't comfortable talking about that. It's very polarizing. Right. You know, when we talk about equity and implicit bias and things like that, it's an uncomfortable topic to discuss. But... I feel okay. Right. And that's another thing that it's, you know, social justice. It seems mm -hmm. like it's a, only been a conversation we've been having for a couple of years, but mm -hmm. it sounds like it's something you've been thinking about for a lot yeah, longer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then unfortunately, I'm, I'm really, one thing I am really sad about is that it's become such a polarizing topic. And really right. it is, it really is about finding that common humanity. You know, at the end of the day, we're all people, but, but also acknowledging that there are things that are unique to us. Yeah. It shouldn't be, be something that is polarizing. But at the same time, I also am very optimistic that because it is being talked about, that the pendulum will swing back and um, we will have a better understanding of how to coexist together. You went to NIU for undergrad, right? Mm -hmm. And then I ended up getting um, two masters from there, too. So. Two masters? Yeah. Well, there I just, go. it was there and it was um, one, I needed to get my bilingual endorsement. And so that okay. kind of led to a master's and then for my leadership. I, I really loved the programs. It's still yeah. kind of cool that you could technically call yourself like a double master. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just cool. I've never thought you of that. You can just own it. Own it. I know, not, right? right? Maybe I should just own it. <laughs> exactly. Get a plaque. <laughs> But why NIU? Why did you end up going there? Um, so quite honestly, it was going back to getting my dad to let me go away was already a challenge. Um, part of it was cost and part of it was I just knew people that had gone to NIU and they spoke highly of the education program. Yeah, of course. So that's really... That's why a lot of us go anywhere. It's because, yeah. you know, we know people that go there and they yeah. like it, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of how college mm -hmm. works a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, and then I ended up loving it. And did you and your family wanted you to stay reasonably close? I'd imagine. Yeah. Like, was there any part of you that was like, all right, if I get the chance to leave, I'm really gonna you leave? You know what's so funny is that I remember like the first, um, about the like during the first semester, I cried a little bit because um, I just missed like simple things like going to the refrigerator. I remember I went down to the dining hall. It was closed. I hadn't learned the hours. And I remember, like, I just want to go in my refrigerator. It's and... like, please, someone find me groceries now. <laughs> <laughs> I need one strawberry, please. Yeah. And I'm like, Mom, I'm so sorry for ever wanting to leave you. So it, you know what, though? I, I tell parents now, um, because I've also worked with, like, former students and their families who are in the application process. And so I feel really good that now I'm kind of that link for them. And I often tell parents, like, 
me going away actually strengthened the relationship between me and my parents. I appreciated them so much more, you know. I was so grateful for everything that they did. But when you're 18 and you're just trying to get away and have some fun, it's like you don't see it. Right, you're being tested like Odysseus or something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, I missed home. No, please. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I do. I tell parents, let them go. It's the best thing that I could have ever done. And then bring them groceries, though. And bring them groceries, please. They no need... easy, Mac. <laughs> oh, no. Just, we've got flashbacks to subsiding off of chicken tenders for like three oh, months straight. Yeah. <laughs> it was a rough period. Yeah, so. it is. It's hard. Yeah. But you need to go through all of that and you grow. I definitely recommend it. Maybe not the chicken tenders. But maybe not the maybe chicken not. tenders. Yeah. Freshman 15 is real, too. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. That's so funny. You know, I wanted to ask, too, about how you why you decided to go into administration and mm -hmm. things like that too. Because I always think no matter what the profession really is, you know, whether I, I'm a big sport, are you a sports person? Yes, I actually, I am. You I are? was a major tomboy growing up, yes. What sports? Football. Bears? Bears. Absolutely. Yeah. How are I you a, feeling right now? Is really I'm, I'm pretty bummed. I actually got to see Matt Nagy at um, DeKalb High School. Was he wearing a visor? No, he wasn't. That's disappointing. I know. I actually made that <laughs> joke like, where's the visor? Um, no, and he was a great speaker. Um, but yes, I love sports. I have a pretty good arm too. Really? Yeah. Well, I've o I always wanted to be a quarterback. Really? That's <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, yes. I see. I, I, I didn't even believe myself that much. I was like, oh, I would gladly settle for a tight end, please. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I um. Have you gotten a chance to flex your arm? Have you gotten a chance to toss the old pigskin around? Um. Yes, with the students. It's one of my ways to um encourage. And I don't want to say encourage good behavior, but like it helps me build relationships with them, especially because boys. I'm a mother of boys, and I see how unintentionally sometimes schools can favor girls, mm -hmm. especially with um discipline. And you know, boys are active girls are too but it's just a different dynamic and so i always kind of feel for the boys and so that's my way of kind of connecting with them and bonding with them and so they love it they um just the other day they're like oh are you gonna come and i'm like i'm sorry i forgot to wear um pants because i was wearing a skirt and so <laughs> i could actually you should have told me i could have came on the day and gotten some pictures of you just tossing yeah. deep post routes to these kids mm -hmm. i do have somewhere on yeah i, I do have some pictures of me throwing the That's football with students yeah. Well, if you're listening, Mitch Trubisky, we believe in you. <laughs> and he's number 10, and that's my favorite number, so. <laughs> we believe in you. We're going to rebound. By the time this comes I'm, out, we'll find I'm out. I'm getting nervous. We'll find out. So. No, they'll be good. Retroactively. Yes. We were right. Yes. They were fine. Yes. Hey, this is Peter from the future putting together the episode. Just noticed this. Maybe I shouldn't talk about the Bears anymore because about a week after this was recorded, Mitch got hurt and he hasn't played since. So I guess the teacher's lounge curse is in full effect and I should just stop talking about sports altogether. All right, back to the episode. Bringing this back, I remember why I brought up sports to begin with. Oh, okay. Which is I was thinking like, no matter what the profession, and I always think of sports when I think of this, of like you think of to make another Chicago sports reference, like Michael Jordan, the best to ever play basketball, but not a great owner. So like mm. when you trans, and so I always think about like with teachers, you know, do you ever feel like, you know, you know, do the best teachers always make the best administrators? And like, what are some of the characteristics that, you know, maybe aren't as, you know, don't come maybe as natural to some teachers that you feel like you really need to be a successful like administrator? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be totally vulnerable. So um, I loved teaching. I still do. I still very strongly identify as a teacher. Um, I wanted to go into administration just because of that exponential influence. And so 
I remember thinking like, I have built such great relationships with all of these students and their families. How can I create conditions in a school where we can have that same kind of environment? Um, and so that's really why I went into that, into um, administration. No, I don't think that the best teachers always make the best administrators. And I don't think that in order to be a great administrator, you right. even need to be like a, a classroom teacher. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so just kind of being vulnerable. When I remember my first year as an assistant principal, um, having the realization that just because I was doing something in the classroom doesn't mean that everyone else does the same or has the same practices or, or uses the same instructional strategies right. or even has the same knowledge base. Sure. Probably not, right? No, right. And looking back, like Lissette, how ignorant of you to think <laughs> that, right? But because I kind of just... I love those moments where you have to think of yourself in the third person, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so um, it was a very humbling experience because now you're tasked with, as a leader, to how do you inspire people? How do you move them in the direction that you want them to go? And so um, while you may be a phenomenal classroom teacher, um, interacting with children or even teens is very different than interacting and leading adults. Yeah, And both present very different challenges. And so I think that was um, one of the biggest takeaways like earlier on. And it's very humbling because then it's like, oh, you know what? I have these ideas here. Let me actually take a step back. And what is similar, though, is that relationship trumps all. Mm. So you, just like you need to build relationships and trust with your students, yeah. you need to build those relationships and take your time to build that trust with your staff. What was it? Oh, and the other probably good thing for you know being a successful administrator, do you ever think about getting the advisor? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't look very good in visors. I, I can settle for like a helmet. It's a t- <laughs> Tough one to pull off on, right. especially if you have hair. Yes. The visor can be tough. Yeah. But do you see yourself ever wanting to get back in the classroom? Is it something that you want to do? Or is this scratch enough of that itch? Um, I've, I've thought about this. I'm open to the idea. Like, I will never say no. I'll never go back into the classroom. Um, I think as an administrator, you will always miss Having that classroom and, and, you know, being able to close the door and, and just having those relationships with your kids. Right. And like you talked about, like, those are the people that inspired you to get into education in the first place. Yes. Um, but you know what? I, I think that I want to even expand beyond an administrator. You know, I, I have other goals. I want to do books. I want to do some public speaking. I don't know. You want to do books? Yeah. About like education leadership type of things or um, like are you really trying to get out your like postmodern poetry? Like, <laughs> like what, we, what have we got on tap? So um, perhaps I haven't really settled on I have so many ideas, um, but perhaps one idea is um, just the experiences of um, Latinas in high, like um, higher roles in education. And kind of, you know, because I believe in the power of storytelling. And I think it's through those narratives that we can change the world. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's through those stories that we can inspire others. Absolutely. You know? And as soon as you get that book published, <laughs> I want to be the first person to talk to you about it. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. So, right. yeah, I, I have other goals. Teaching is not out of the equation, but I have other things that I... All right, Lizette. Well, thank you so much for for sitting down and talking to me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. This was so much fun. Yes.
All right, thank you so much for coming back for another episode of Teacher's Lounge. As always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on the show, or if you are a teacher, even better, email us to be on the show. And along with that, send us your suggestions for topics that we should be covering. The email is teacherslounge at niu.edu for all of those things. Wherever you're hearing this podcast, why don't you subscribe, leave us a rating, share it with the people in your life, share it with your aunt, your uncle, your cousins. I'm sure they've heard of podcasts by now, so they should they should listen to this one. We want to give a big special thank you to Lizette Jacobson for being our guest on this week's show. And thank you to the Rockford area band Kind Ofs for the awesome music that you hear in every single episode of this show. We run an education show and we get these awesome music. I can't even believe it every time I'm putting together the show. Kind Ofs is spelled like nice birds is how I like to explain it. It's K-I-N-D-O-V-E-S. You can find more of their music on their SoundCloud and you can even see their appearance on our own Sessions from Studio A. Thanks again to Spencer Tripp for making our cool Teacher's Lounge logo. We will be back with another episode of Teacher's Lounge in two weeks. I've been your host, Peter Medlin. Have a great one.